from the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy! Oh yes, hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. I'm Sarah Foss and I'm joined by the man who needs no introduction, Buzzy Cohen, and also Jeopardy senior researcher and gameplay analyst, the enabler, Michael Harris. Welcome to you both. Thank you, thank you. Glad to be back. How does it feel to have uh, an epithet, the enabler? (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, I guess if I'm going to be known by anything, that's as good a title as someone can have. And you've you had know. it for a few years now. Yeah, I've like had it. I've had it for a while. This is not new to Inside yeah. Jeopardy. Yeah. We've been calling him the enabler for Of course. A while. I, I have to say, when I come to a taping, which I don't often get the chance to, I always love sitting as close to Michael Harris as possible to watch him enable those <laughs> signaling devices, and as well as enabling Michael Davies with his uh, mid-game analysis. You're like doing eight different things at once. It's incredibly impressive. I mean, you can't for one second zone out. No. I have to stay focused and in gameplay, which is what I like about it, but I also have to stay focused with Ken and the subtle changes between what the contestants are doing and how they're responding and if there's a subtle change where, you know, Ken suddenly realizes, okay, yeah, this is not going to be correct, so I can re-enable the board, all of that. But yeah, it's great. Speaking of enabling, Michael has done a lot of enabling because we have concluded week one of the Second Chance competition brought to you by Moderna. On Friday, that wrapped up with Jessica Stevens advancing to the Tournament of Champions. So looking forward to diving into all of these games with the two of you later in the pod. And as a reminder, today we head into week two of Second Chance, where Sadie Goldberger, Alicia O'Hare, Doe Park, Tom Filippos, Nikki Pocaro, Jeff Smith, Sarah Snyder, Rowan Ward, and Jack Weller will all be back to battle for that final spot in the TOC. And in case you've missed seeing them so far, you can check out the contestant sizzle reels on the Jeopardy! YouTube channel for a fun review of what gave each of these players a solid case for a second chance. And our own Ken Jennings called them his new favorite thing. Yes, Ken and you, Buzzy, both reached out to me to inquire about who had put those videos together because you were loving them. The credit goes to our social and digital team who are always up to great things. But in particular on this one, want to call out, shout out Devin O'Rourke. He wrote all of those pieces, and he voiced the scratch tracks. They were so good that we all agreed it needed to be him who voiced the final versions. Those really are so much fun, so make sure you check them out if you haven't already. And later in today's episode, we'll be featuring my interview with Michael Strahan, who presented a category last week, and we'll be discussing Celebrity Jeopardy, where Aisha Tyler, John Michael Higgins, and Matt Rogers competed for the first spot in our second of three semifinals in Celebrity Jeopardy. And at the end of the show, you'll get to hear my conversations with our Tournament of Champions competitors, Megan Press, Erica Hasek, John Folk, and Ryan Long. Okay, first up, let's get into week one of Second Chance. We kick Monday off with Cindy Zhang, Aaron Golias, Jessica Stevens. I know a lot of people were disappointed with this matchup because they thought, how could you put so many of our favorites up against each other? But it it was bound to happen. It did not disappoint. Cindy Zhang did not disappoint in the handwriting or in the fashion department. Really impressive. But, of course, Jessica Stevens was playing great. Michael, what do you see in here? 
Well, you know, as the game started, it was um, a pretty much even exchange between Cindy and Aaron. And even though there was high hopes on Jessica, it seemed like she was struggling to kind of find her rhythm in that first round. It was a pretty even exchange. And as you can see from their stats, their buzz ins that they actually got in to respond were quite even 10 across the board for all three contestants. It did, of course, take Jessica a little bit of time to find her rhythm, which she managed to do after Cindy made an error. But that era was kind of a pivotal moment for Jessica because not only did she go in to first break with the lead, she maintained it after the break and started the double jeopardy round in the lead. Yeah, and starting out that double jeopardy round, Cindy and Aaron have a couple of errors that really helps Jessica without doing too much extend her lead. And when she hits that first daily double response correctly, it's open space, as we say, in front of Jessica Stevens, a.k.a. Jeopardy Karen Allen. (laughs) Yeah, Jessica continued her momentum. And especially toward the end of the round, she was picking up some high value clues. And so she just maintained that lead as uh, we went toward the end of the game. Yeah, final Jeopardy. Aaron and Jessica are correct, but it doesn't really matter at that point because it is a runaway game for Jessica Stevens. Pretty satisfying to see her move on to the finals. As we've talked about, she was the inspiration originally for Michael Davies and this competition. Love the support for our contestants, though. I saw Cindy posted a video of a watch party back in New York with her trivia group. A lot of love out there for the second chancers. Interestingly enough, Jessica, when she would call in a category... You know, she would stay in one category, so she just would call out the number value, which can be tricky, especially for Michelle on our team who's back in the back, you know, indicating Mm -hmm. which clue she's going to pop up. We encourage contestants to always say the category as well as the dollar amount, but if they're maintaining it in the same category, we'll kind of let it slide. And this show featured the category with Michael Strahan, A to Z of skincare. I know we heard some some pushback from people feeling like this was a commercial, but... I want people to look at the actual category and the actual clues. And A to Z of skincare, our writers wrote some brilliant clues about general skincare. And in my opinion, Michael Strahan brought it. He delivered it with energy and excitement. I had a chance to catch up with him after our recording session with him. And uh, let's take a listen. You're a category on Jeopardy. What does that feel like? It feels like I have hit the lottery. (laughs) But I'm on Jeopardy. I've made it. Everything else. Nothing else compares to being on Jeopardy, and you know, I'm excited about it because it's such an iconic show, and I've, I've hoped to be on for years, so now to be a part of it is special. You've got something cool you're introducing. Yeah, I have my own, my new skincare line, Michael Strahan Daily Defense, so it's kind of going hand in hand, and it's a category that kind of fits me and my lifestyle right now because skin is confidence. And I think when you're playing the game of Jeopardy, you better come on there and be confident. And knowing that you don't have to worry about your skin because it looks good and all those things, that's confidence builder. So you host Pyramid. One of our hosts, Ken Jennings, was a guest on your show. What do you, what do you have to say about his performance? When Ken Jennings came on the $100,000 Pyramid, I've never seen the people work there so excited. <laughs> I, and I'm not just talking, I'm talking about everyone. I had an intern of mine, Tyler, who's 20 years old. That was the only person we've had on the entire season that he cared to have a picture with. (laughs) Because Pyramid and having Ken on was kind of like it just goes hand in hand because he is a genius. And I can't say enough about how great he was. You also had a chance to meet our legendary host, Alex Trebek. Yes. What was that like for you? Oh, man. Meeting Alex Trebek was an experience that I'll never forget. To be able to go to his home and spend some time with him 
and his wife, Jean. He had just come off the roof from removing leaves. <laughs> and this was while he was going through, you know, um, everything that he was dealing with at that time. And just an amazing man, an inspiring man. And just to be around someone who you watched every day and always gave you this this spirit of happiness. And it was, it was a special something I'll never forget. And I know I'm one of the few people who can say they've actually had a chance to spend that time with him like that. And I appreciate him and Gene for letting me into their home and sharing that time. Well, they appreciated that time as well. And yeah. we're so happy to feature you on Jeopardy. Jeopardy, baby. I'm coming for you. <laughs> yes, I am not playing because I'm not good. I'm just introducing some stuff in the category, which is perfect for me. Those who can't play host, that's why I host Pyramid too. <laughs> we love it. Just great to hear Michael reflect on his interview that he had with Alex. You know, he is someone who had yeah. a connection to our show, a connection to Alex, and so really great to catch up with him and to feature him in this category. Moving on now to Tuesday's game, our second game in the second chance. This is a an all-female competition. Yeah, with Erica Wiener-Amachi competing in place of Isaac Applebaum. Yeah, as we mentioned earlier, Isaac Applebaum was not able to compete at the last minute, so Erica Wiener-Amachi, our alternate, was called in. You know, we have alternates for all of our competitions. Rarely do we ever get the chance to use them. In this case, Erica found out the morning she was going to play. So it was almost a second, second chance for her. Michael, walk us through what you were seeing in this game. Well, Molly takes an early lead in the uh, Jeopardy round. It seems that everyone's kind of tentative as the game moves along, but Erica gets the daily double, responds correctly, but doesn't gain traction from that, as often some contestants will do. Starting out double Jeopardy, Tracy and Erica were really, it was like a little tennis game between Mm -hmm. the two of them going back and forth, huh? Oh, yeah. For a minute, it was just kind of like their show. Uh, Molly does manage to find the first daily double in the DJ round from a third place position. She makes her wager and she moves into second place. Yeah. And Erica Wiener Amachi winning the eyewear game and also going into I final. Think she called them her new Woker glasses. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but going into final in the lead. Tracy is still in this because Erica has to bet to cover a Molly doubling. Michael, what do you think about, let's talk a little bit about the wagering situation going into final. What what are you thinking here? Well, I mean, even though Erica had a strong lead, she has to make sure that if Molly doubles, that uh, she has enough to cover that and maintain the win in the game. Molly made a very conservative bet in this case, which I think surprised maybe all of us. Not Uh, the traditional second place wager. No, not the traditional second place wager, especially when you're like, hey, this is one and done. You want to take it, which actually worked to her favor, obviously, because the final ended up being extremely hard. It was an 0 for 3, and Molly managed to win the game. Molly tweeted last Wednesday, you know, beyond psych to join Jessica Stevens in this week's two-day total point affair finale, along with mystery contestant number three, who shall it be? And then Jessica Stevens responded, and when does our new band, naturally called two-day total point affair, drop the album? Buzzy, we know you'd be first in line to buy that album. I would buy that album, and maybe they could do the soundtrack for my yet-to-be-shot comedy thriller two-day total point affair. Yes, I have to say when Buzzy hosted the Tournament of Champions and we were going through the different, you know, versions of opens and things that he would talk about, he's like, when do I get to say two-day total point affair? Because that's when I'll know. I just love that phrase. I've made it as a Jeopardy host. Well, let's find out who's going to join them on our Wednesday game. We had James Fraser, Renee Russell, and Pam Schoenenberg. 
hearing James say that when he got the email to compete, he thought it was spam. <laughs> you know, he was deployed. He thought, there's no way they're asking me to go back. But then he gave it a second read. He said, oh, my gosh. So then he goes and says, can I leave my deployment early? And <laughs> thankfully, the military let him get out early. But a lot of pressure on him, I think, to perform as a result. Absolutely. Well, I found that James came into the game very composed. He seemed to be well-prepared and ready to play. And that showed in uh, his gameplay. In the first round, he hits the daily double. Uh, he makes the maximum wager, so he instantly takes the lead. Pam makes a small push before the end of the round, the first Jeopardy round, close the gap with James, who at that point has a $4,000 lead over his next opponent, Pam, heading into the DJ round. Just looking at those numbers, he is in that Jeopardy round they're neck and neck on attempts, but he is just getting in first. He is not giving incorrect responses. Went on a five-clue streak. That's intimidating. But as we see, as we get into double jeopardy, Renee and Pam do not let up. Renee runs into some trouble, but Pam really gets James up against the ropes. Yeah, you could tell she kind of moved into a second gear. Yeah, and I think that happens a lot where the, the jeopardy round is sort of a rush because you're like, oh, my God, I'm back here. What's going on? Da, 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 trying to catch your bearings trying to sync up with our friend Michael Harris over here <laughs> and then double jeopardy you're like okay if I'm going to do this I'm going to do it now yeah well she definitely they both did have to kind of step up their game because James got the first daily double in that round he responds correctly he extended his lead when we we're getting close to the end of the double jeopardy round Pam did manage to get within 5,000 of James's lead but you know he was playing pretty strong it was not easy Renee on the other hand it just was not her day. She tried her best, and she ended up in the red and wasn't able to stay with us in final. I think this is just an example of, you know, sometimes it's not your categories. Renee had such a strong game on her initial appearance. So we could run this back. We could play it with three different people. We could play with three of the same people. We could do it again and have a different outcome. It just wasn't her day. Yeah, totally. Okay, so we've got just a, a, a two-horse race in final. Category American history, a pretty broad subject in terms of Jeopardy, really could go almost anywhere. Once again, interesting wagering in final. Pam is betting to cover James's current score as opposed to where he might go. What do you think about this, Michael? I think it's probably a, a safe bet yes. in that case. I mean, it is a one and done situation. Like you said, this is a broad final. It's like saying the world, you know, yes. there's so much that could be covered in this final. So I think she's playing smartly and conservatively and hoping that maybe it's so broad that they both get it wrong. And she ends up capitalizing on maybe him either not betting or betting just enough for her to get ahead or yeah. too much to She's try to cover. On him yeah, being incorrect, which I think when you're in second place is a smart tactic. I know I, it's not your tactic. No, you want to no, go all in for the win. Not necessarily, but I think my issue with that approach is that if if that's what you're thinking, he is going to bet, you know, nine thousand something or other, right? Yeah. He's going to bet about a little over nine thousand to cover her. She bets too much if they both get it wrong. And so that's my kind of issue. It's it's neither a play to oh, win or a play saying. for their, them both to be wrong. Yeah. So. She could have she been a little bit more she needs, to, he needs to be wrong for this to work out, her wager. Correct. Or he needs to bet nothing and she gets it right. So I think it's if you're if I were in Pam's position, I'm either betting much more or much less. Yeah, maybe much less. 
Yeah. Well, in the yeah. end, wagering didn't, didn't really become a factor yeah. because James is the only one who is correct, and he advances to the finals where he will face on this next game Thursday up against Jessica Stevens and Molly Carroll for a spot in the TOC in a two-day total point affair. Not one pair of glasses amongst them. This was a great two-day total point affair, I have to say. This was a really fun finals to watch. I did enjoy in the Jeopardy round the... Jessica pho- <laughs> running the phobias category. What does that say about her? Yeah, and that <laughs> our writers come up with responses like, what is German people? I mean, who knew? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was kind of a follow-up on Ike saying, what are Filipino people and Simu calling him out on that? Yeah, so is got it kind of, of, we've got, got a lot going on here. Got on a social love on that one. Well, I mean, the one thing I did notice at the start of the game, James dives for the hot corner. Now, there are places that Folks know where the Daily Double will usually kind of appear on the Jeopardy board. Not always, but he dies for that hot corner and doesn't find it. (laughs) Jessica, on the other hand, does capitalize. I believe it was on a rebound from him. And then she hits the phobia category. And like you said, boom, she runs it. And it kind of leaves James a little flat-footed. I don't think he was expecting that to be so open. I thought he thought he was going to get the Daily Double, kind of get an early lead, and then kind of cruise. Jessica ends the round with 7,600. James was close at 7,000, and Molly trailing 2,800. What is most impressive to me shows how great these second-chance contestants are. No incorrect responses in that Jeopardy round. And as we come into Double Jeopardy... Also very few. Slow start to the double Jeopardy round. But James finds that first daily double, capitalizes on it, takes the lead. And then James goes on on a bit of a mini run and really does begin to extend his lead. With that, he finds the second daily double in the round, but he responds incorrectly. And here is, again, one of those pivotal moments. It drops a little, but he still has the lead over Jessica. And you thought that might throw his game off, but it really, really doesn't. Going into final, obviously... James has the lead here. Jessica, not that far behind. And Molly is still very much in this game. And we have to remember, this is a two-day total total point affair. So you kind of have to treat this first final almost like a daily double that everybody gets to play. Very true. Wagering is very important at this stage in this kind of competition. And yet Jessica goes big with her wager. You know, she's betting $13,000. Molly, a little bit more conservative. James, wagering big as well. One thing that people talk about in the Jeopardy world is effective lead, right? So right now, James has a roughly $15,000 lead on Molly, but that is a effective leave of $7,500. Right. So if she's behind by $7,500 at the end of the game the next day, she can double that up to make up that 15000 And I love a two-day total point affair where when you're going into day two, anything can happen. It's still anyone's game. None of these totals is insurmountable. Yeah. Jessica is only a few thousand dollars behind James. They're essentially starting at zero the next day. Yeah. Buzzy, as you well know, <laughs> you're not out of it until the last, you know, final Jeopardy in that kind of competition. What I found interesting in this second final, James, again, he's looking for those daily doubles. He finds one early on. He's in third place as he makes this uh, wager. He's correct and he takes the lead, who at that point, Molly has the lead, which in her previous games, she was not really coming from a leading position. Everyone seems to be pretty evenly matched, and then comes the moment. James makes an incorrect response on a $1,000 clue. 
Jessica starts to find her groove. That first round finishes with Jessica in the lead. Here comes double jeopardy, though. James finds that first daily double. He goes true daily double. Gutsy move. He's incorrect. He responds, sees Candy instead of Hershey. The other two competitors look at each other. They're like kind of giggling almost that he missed it. He knows he should have gotten it. And, you know, that was a pivotal moment for this game. Did you notice the category, Sarah? It was the Blewett category. Thought it was kind of ironic. <laughs> it was I, it was the Blewett category and he blew it, which he actually noted himself uh, in the game. But this is a pivotal moment, as Sarah said. James lost his composure at this point. He is down. He's scrambling. Jessica has a good pace, a good rhythm. And so now James is good on the buzzer. He's trying to ring in as much as he can, but He's also catching himself because he's ringing in and realizing, I don't know, the response. And so he is helping Jessica maintain her lead. Jessica continues to maintain her composure, keeps a steady lead. Molly is always in the game, nipping away, trying to stay close as she does each time she plays. Jessica found that second daily double, wagers $3,500 and gets it correctly. And she's just... She's she's after it. So going into the final Jeopardy round, Jessica in the lead with 15,300, Molly with 10,600. James has just 2,000. But remember, two-day total point of fare. You he know, did he, have the lead. From he the did day have one. the lead from the day before. So anything can happen. And we got some interesting wagers once again in final, a final that tripped all three of our contestants up, which really goes to show that this – could have been you know if james had gotten that correct and jessica hadn't he's winning this first week of the second chance competition oh yeah i remember when i saw the wagers there was like a a subtle gasp we all kind of did gasp like does she know that she could lose she had it locked up totally what what's going on with this wager she totally had it locked up she wagered way too much given even the two-day spread and had luck not fallen the way it did that they were all incorrect, as Buzzy noted, she could have easily lost that game and not gone on to the TOC. Yeah. But she does, and Jessica earns our first second chance spot in the TOC. Interestingly enough, yes. for the first time ever in the TOC, we could have a rematch. A full rematch. Madame Odeo, Jonathan Fisher, like we've had two contestants from a single game go on to a TOC, but never all three. So pretty exciting that three competitors from one single game are all going to be represented in the TOC. And it was the game that inspired this second chance competition. Yes. Yeah. So if, if ever we needed validation that there was something to this second chance idea, I think Jessica Stevens making it to the TOC certainly affirms that we were on the right track with this. And week two of the second chance competition is beginning right now, tonight. That's when right. Tune in, find out who that second second chancer that feels like it should be a fourth chancer, but it's just our second <laughs> second chancer who will be in this year's TOC. Moving on, let's get into Celebrity Jeopardy. Let's do it. Prime Last, time. Jeopardy and prime time. Prime time, baby. We've got celebrity. Last night, we began our next round of quarterfinal games with Aisha Tyler, John Michael Higgins, and Matt Rogers. Once again, you could feel a little intimidation when Johnny introduces Aisha Tyler as a former Jeopardy champion. You know, I don't think everyone knows coming in necessarily who they're playing against of our celebrities. And certainly when they hear that, it's it's instantly intimidating to know that not only has someone been on the Alex Trebek stage before, 
but they've won. They've come out a champion. Yeah, but I think, you know, it can work both ways. Sure. You get that <laughs> introduction, and now the pressure's on you. And people are going to expect or there's an expectation that you're going to perform amazingly well because you're, you know, you're in the pocket of the game. And she did perform well. I, I mean, Michael Higgins, I was impressed with his gameplay. Very steady, very knowledgeable. He was very good on the buzzer. I had to think Michael Higgins, being a trivia host himself, did have a slight leg up, perhaps. And we had to watch the game to see if that would end up being true. You know, Michael Harris and I were discussing earlier that I think that part of what helped Michael Higgins was actually a little bit of the generational difference. You know, just, for instance, the clue about Heidi, like that's something where if you're a little bit older, everyone grew up reading or watching the film versions of Heidi where Matt Rogers and Aisha Tyler, probably not. I like that when we headed into Double Jeopardy and Michael got that daily double, he was like, I'm going to make it a true daily double. And then he said, Mayim, stop me. Like he couldn't <laughs> yes. even believe he was going to wager so big on that one. And I appreciated some some bigger wagers yeah. in this game. Um, and as we see, it you know made a difference. When Matt went all in on that third daily double in the triple jeopardy round, you could see the joy, the excitement. It was it was just really fun. I mean, it felt like the, a great combination of people having fun playing and also really in the game. It was just, I, I loved watching this episode. We continued our tradition in Celebrity Jeopardy to feature our Jeopardy celebrities. Obviously, Buzzy was fashion earlier in the celebrity season. And this time, we had a round Philly with Ryan Long, someone who loves his city. And he got to give a full category all about Philadelphia. It played very well. And uh, it was a lot of fun to see Ryan. He had reached out to me a few weeks before the category aired. My mom wants to make sure she records it. What night am I going to be on Celebrity Jeopardy? So fun to see him as well. The one thing about this game is it was a joy to watch them play, as you kind of mentioned, Buzzy. They were very personable. They were really lovely with each other. And as you said, as the gameplay continued along, they were just really having a good time. And I think that made it easier for them to take those chances and making those chances really elevated the the game play all around. Interestingly enough, Aisha Tyler had the most correct responses in the game, but it comes down to those daily doubles and she wasn't able to find them. If you flip through the game, it really feels like Aisha's game. But John Michael Higgins kind of pulls a pulls a card out of the Buzzy Cohen ah. playbook, getting that lead and just letting his opponents kind of make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm he... claiming that as my playbook, but I like it. Who knew that he was reading it? But I think maybe he was. Perhaps <laughs> I hope he continues to study it because he's heading to the semifinals. But this Sunday, October 30th, join us to find out who will join Michael in the semis. All right, we're gonna switch gears now. It's time to continue our road to the TOC. First up, my conversation with five-game winner, Erica Hasek. Erica Hasek, welcome back to Jeopardy! Yeah, thanks for having me. How have the past few months been? It's been a whirlwind. I mean, obviously, you know, we taped in middle of April, and then you have your month or two, which is weird, right? You're the Jeopardy! champion, but you can't tell anybody, and so you have to kind of keep it a secret, and it kind of moves in the back of your head, and then your shows are on, and then it's, I mean... The interviews, I was on the Weather Channel, I was on the AccuWeather TV, you know, all the local news stations, just a crazy week there. It gets to be September and oh wow, I got this Tournament of Champions coming up. It's been really fun, especially knowing that this was at the end of the road, this Tournament of Champions was coming up and it just, I mean, we haven't even started playing yet and I'm just having so much fun. 
Well, you didn't just defeat a champion. You defeated a 16-game champion, and then you went on to do your own big run. No wonder they want to talk to you. That's that's quite an impression you made on the Jeopardy stage. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think anyone will tell you the first thing you kind of do, you show up to the studio in the morning, and you're kind of eyeing, okay, who's the defending champion? Who's here? I hope it's not the person I'm seeing on TV right, right yes. now. <laughs> and I mean, when they when I introduced Ryan, the number of games he won and the money he won, that was kind of a dark moment for a second. So you're always like, well, I think I'm okay at this game, but there's always someone better out there. And sure enough, that's who you have to play first. But it kind of helped where I knew I'd play aggressive to begin with. But when you're playing someone that's a, a super champ, you just need to be aggressive. There's nothing to lose. So that really helped to just get daily doubles, go big and be aggressive and stick to that strategy. And it, it worked. And then, I mean, I was the Monday game and you just ride that wave as long as you can and went through the whole day. And uh, here we are. Here we are. You mentioned you've had the least amount of time to prepare. I think you and Megan, what have you done in that amount of time? I think it probably helped where, you know, I didn't push Jeopardy to the back of my mind for a year and then have to come back into it. You know, I was doing my prep for my tape days in April. Then I took a nice vacation uh, for a little bit. Well deserved. I just needed to step away from the woods for a bit. And then after my shows aired at end of June, I got the itch again, which was good. You're ready to get back into it. And so it's been a couple months now. So just kind of, you know, just trying to learn as much as you can. Obviously, you can't know everything, but as long as you know a little bit about everything, that gets you by okay in Jeopardy. Obviously, it's top tier competition, so we'll just have to go out there and do our best. How about your buzzer technique? Did you do any work with that or did you feel like that was pretty strong? I mean, it came and went. Yeah, I, I had some times where we just locked in and then you had some times... I- where you'd lose it in the same game it would happen where you'd, you'd be hitting everything then you'd have a couple where you're locked out and it would come and go so you just never know until you go out there and stage it's it's a mystery but yeah i had my pen i would click around watching the games on tv to try to get a little bit of timing down but yeah we went through rehearsals today and what was it like it, it, it was oh shake my god the dust off? it is so you know just you see that stage again and your eyes light up and you get the buzzer in your hand and it, it was really fun to be back there. And then you're up there and you're getting your rhythm and then, you know, they, your time's up and another group <laughs> comes in and you're just like, oh, I want to keep going. Back. I want to keep Let going. Play. So, yeah, you know, it's, you know, as you said, you don't really know until you show up and play how that's going to go. It's always the mystery of Jeopardy is the, it's not a test, right? It's not the ACTs. It's a, it's a competition and buzzer timing is part of the game. Well, welcome back. We're so excited to have you and I can't wait for the competition to begin for you. Yeah, same here. Next up, I had the chance to catch up with six-game winner Megan Walkspress. Megan Walkspress, welcome to the Tournament of Champions. It's amazing to be here. We knew you were going to make it. There were a lot of circumstances as you were going along your win, but you were one of the few people that knew you were going to make the cut, right? I mean, were you confident? I mean, I strongly suspected after my fifth win that that was generally, historically speaking, the policy that five wins got you in. Um, But, you know, nothing's done until it's done. So great competition. I mean, you competed and beat a six day champion. What is in the water this season, Megan? (laughs) I, I don't know. I think I guess people have had a lot of time at home. Uh, more opportunities to study, maybe more cooks taking the anytime test. I know for me, that was a big reason I ended up here. I, I wouldn't have been able to make the time to to do the test at the standard time or maybe even travel for auditions. So it could be bringing folks out for whom it wouldn't be an option. Otherwise, I don't know. What's it like to be a part of this field of 21 of the most impressive contestants we've ever seen in <laughs> Jeopardy history? It's truly surreal. Um, I had the, you know, I have already competed against Eric, so I've met him. But other than that, it's this bizarre situation of 
being around celebrities, like people that you like have this kind yes. of celebrity relationship These to. These are Jeopardy celebrities, but absolutely. Now you're like in the same group somehow, sort of, and it's just a dream come true. Twelve year old me like would not have believed it. Um, to like see the tournament of champions lights come up on the stage and like to be a part of that is just unbelievable. I've heard so many of your fellow competitors talk about just what a great group this is just of people aside from the skill level and Jeopardy just what a, a great group of contestants we have. Not just the people here but the people in both of my tape days everyone is so thoughtful and kind and genuinely wants to see everyone around them do well and some of them present company excluded, are really funny. <laughs> so they're like cracking everybody up along the way. It is, the vibes are good. I will say the vibes are very good. You have been speaking since day one about how you wanted to give back from your winnings and really kind of, you know, do what you can. Have you been able to do that with some of your earnings? Yeah, so I, I gave $25,000 um, to the Homeless Action Center, which is an organization in Oakland and Berkeley um, that provides legal services to um unhoused folks and also drop in and just general support services, primarily focused on getting folks who are eligible for social security insurance, but who don't have the wherewithal or the ability to advocate for themselves in those proceedings to get them in front of a judge and to really get them the the support that they're entitled to and, and should be getting already. So they're an amazing organization and it felt really good to be able to, to say, hey, <laughs> I'm, I'm helping. <laughs> You are indeed, and just another incredible member of this class of champions. So welcome back to the Tournament of Champions and wishing you all the best of luck. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. And next, my conversation with four-game winner, John Folkt. John Folkt, welcome <laughs> back. You and I go way back. Yes. Way back to your Zoom audition. Oh, yes. It was April, May 2020, somewhere back it there. It was right in the beginning of COVID. Yeah. Who could have known that we'd be meeting up back here in the Tournament of Champions? Not only would you make it on the show, you would have a great streak and you would be here with this group of champions. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. What has it been like for you? Who could have anticipated the super champions <laughs> that would come, right? Well, especially coming out of the streak, I had a four game streak and then there were another... 12, 15 weeks where no one put together more than three. For a while, it was no one more than two. And it was when I when I left, I was told, you have an outside chance of making yeah. the tournament. As a four-game winner. As a four-game winner with a, a six-figure total. Yes. It's, it's pretty good. Good numbers. Um, but, you know, don't rely on it. And I did not. And then I watched all that, that <laughs> spring, all that summer, as it just kept piling up for a while. Uh, and then in very quick succession, there was Matt and Jonathan and... Andrew, Tyler, I have those out of order because then was Amy. Yes. And at the at that point, um, some of my coworkers were like, what are your odds of getting in now? Uh -huh. And I said, I don't know. But we're all very analytical. Very, yes, I was going to say, very this would be a department that could really look at the stats <laughs> of your chance to get in. And so I sat down and looked at it and kind of figured out, you know, there's a there's a power law relationship there. You can kind of project out what, what people are going to do. And I came about and I said, you know, this is about 15% at this point. And then it kept going up and then it went down very quickly. Uh, <laughs> and then I then I was told that I would be here with the expanded format. Now, because you've been in the middle of the baseball season, have you been able to study and practice or has it more just been the analytics that you've been focused on? People ask me what I study and it's kind of like, what do you study the whole sum of human knowledge? What, right. <laughs> what do you actually go and look at? And I think it's less about being being specific in the studying and more about being intentional about paying attention to the things that are coming up anyway. Um, I did do a lot of analytics. 
you know, I've been trying to figure out how how the game works. And I can tell you, actually, it's in some ways it's so very contained. You feel like you should be able to understand what goes on with it. You know, win probability models are the first thing that came out in baseball, really, that people looked at. What should you do to win games? What strategies? When is bunting even appropriate to do? Uh, was one of the very first questions that came up. And I tried to build a model for Jeopardy. And there's just too much that's going on. The, the number of things that are happening, and in particular, the way that there's three players as opposed to two teams, and that the way that the scores relate to each other, not just in how much the absolute difference is, but because of the daily doubles, because of Final Jeopardy, you have to pay attention to the ratios as well. All of that just makes it wildly complex and chaotic in order to model. So I kind of gave up. <laughs> you know, in pieces, you you can put it put enough together to try and test what your intuition is. What my intuition was going in when I played originally is different than what it is now. There's definitely room, particularly in a field that you know is very strong, to be much less risk averse, to just go for it, not even on like a 50-50 in your mind. If you think there's a 30% chance you're right, maybe go for it because you need you need that edge when you think your competition is better than you 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 have to take those chances you have to do it and that's what i'm looking to do well i can't wait to see you play good luck in the tournament thanks so much for being back and we can't wait to watch you play thanks sir and finally we talked about him earlier in the show here's my interview with 16 game super champion ryan long Ryan long he's here from philadelphia welcome back ryan thank you thank you it's nice to be here how have the past, you know, few months been for you in life? <laughs> uh, the last few months have been amazing and transitional and transformative and all those multi-syllabic words. I love when we talked after your first set of wins and I said, you know, Ryan, you're a Jeopardy champion for the rest of your life. And you said, nah, I'm a nobody. Look <laughs> at you. Have you convinced yourself yet? How extraordinary you are. Uh, no. Well, the city of Philadelphia must certainly be helping convince you. Yeah, they, uh, the response has been really, I don't know, outsized, I feel like. See, it's hard for me to even talk about it. I know. Because it just doesn't seem seem real. But I got got a thing from the the mayor. They were telling me, it's, uh, you know, our version of the key to the city, which is like the Liberty Bell. It's a little Liberty Bell. It's it's great. And they were telling me, oh, yeah, you know, we don't don't give these out too often, uh, you know. Uh, Sly's got one, and I'm like, Sly, <laughs> Stallone? <And he's> like, <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's it's been amazing. And you are basically the highest seed that isn't seeded into the semifinals. So, going into the quarterfinals, you're the most successful champion. Any pressure with that? No. No? No, not really. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it, if I win nothing, it's fine. If I win a game, it would be great, but... You know, it's not going to determine whether or not I have a great time out here. I'm just enjoying seeing everybody and and having fun with it, being back on the lot and looking forward to my my chicken Caesar wrap at lunch. (laughs) (laughs) What's it like to be a part of this group of champions? I mean, I think season 38 will be talked about for decades. I think it's amazing. I'm happy to be considered a, a part of it. I'm still not sure that I deserve it a lot of the time. Just because I've, you know, everybody I've met is so bright and it's, it's hard to believe I'm in this company, but it's, it's really great. You You used that word redemption the first time you were here. Do you have any sort of a word to describe the second time around? Enjoyment. Everything that, that has happened over this summer, uh, it's been a lot of, you know, private stuff too. Like I've grown as a person, you know, since I've had this experience and been able to, you know, focus on, you know, living my life a little more. 
a little more freely without having to worry about you know grinding myself down every day. Been able to make personal strides and just improve my life in so many ways that I didn't think were were possible. So you know, Jeopardy gave me that, and you know, I'm most most appreciative. Well, with that in mind, I hope you enjoy the Tournament of Champions, and it is so great to have you back. Thanks. It's good to be back. It's good to see you and everybody. Great champions. Got to say I'm a Ryan Long fan. I know I'm not supposed to play favorites, but how can you not love that guy? He's just all heart. And getting a chance to meet his son at Honors was yes, great. You know, really traveling sweet. on his first airplane trip, we asked him what was it like. He said, it was awesome. Yeah, it was <laughs> extremely sweet. All right, time to answer some We hear from so many interesting people on this podcast about their love for learning. What if you could learn from the world's best all in one place? You can with Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with over 200 of the world's best for just $10 a month. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. Confidently navigate the media with the influential, intellectual Noam Chomsky. Use science to solve your problems with Bill Nye. Or learn from the past with Pulitzer Prize-winning historian Doris Kearns Goodwin. I personally enjoy James Clear's class that is helping me build smarter habits to help tackle daily challenges. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com jeopardy. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. Masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. Factors ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. Some viewer questions. Victor asks, now that the audience is back, who's doing the warm-up before tapings? Thank you for all you guys do. Well, thank you, Victor. And I'm happy to say that our warm-up is continued to be brilliantly performed and executed by my Clue Crew partner, Jimmy McGuire. He wears many hats on the tape days these days. Uh, in addition to doing the audience warm-up, he also is the host for all of our rehearsal games. And he's also the stage manager. Our stage manager, John Lauderdale, retired after many, many years on the show and kind of had sought Jimmy out for a few years, knowing that he would be a great stage manager. Many of you may not know, but long before the Clue Crew, Jimmy was a stage manager. So kind of coming full circle on that. Great for me because I love being able to to share the stage with Jimmy at any opportunity, and he does a great job doing our warm-up as well as so many other things. So thanks for the question, Victor. Thomas asks, ever since I started watching as a kid, I've always wondered how Jeopardy gets contestants to Los Angeles for taping. How do they know when to travel, take time off? Is there a window that they're given, and how is that calculated? Well, it can vary, Thomas. We obviously like to give our contestants as much notice as possible. We hope to let them know about a month in advance, but sometimes things happen. It's a it's a shorter window. Our contestants are asked to fly themselves out to Los Angeles for their first appearance. 
If they end up being a returning champion, then we do provide travel for them on their returning trips out here. So a lot of incentive to go on a super streak. Maybe that's maybe that's what all the um, yep. you know rising airfare costs. Maybe that's what has led <laughs> to all of our super streakers. Um, so it really does vary, but we try to give them as much notice as possible. And then we always have local Los Angeles contestants as alternates on every tape day, so that if anything happens and we have to slot them in. They can do so, and if not, we can invite them back, and we guarantee that they will play on the next time that they make make the journey through Los Angeles, but we don't want anyone to fly in and not be able to compete. Yeah, I was actually an alternate. Were you really? Yes, I was. I was an alternate uh, the first time I came. I did not play, and then I came back about a month later, and the rest is history. Sometimes I think it's great to be an alternate because without the pressure of competing, you get to kind of come in, see how it works, get out maybe some of the nerves. I think it definitely helps. The more familiar you are with what is going on, there's so much that happens not on stage that you don't see as a viewer at home. The more comfortable you are with all of that, the better you're going to perform. So I certainly credit it as helping me be as moderately successful as I was. Oh, you are a big success, Buzzy. (laughs) Well, thank you for your questions, Victor and Thomas. We love this portion of the show, so please keep sending your questions into insidejeopardypodcast at gmail.com. And that brings us to the end of today's show. We will be back here next Monday to recap week two of the Second Chance Competition, another episode of Celebrity Jeopardy. And thank you, Michael, for joining us today. Always a blast to speak with the The Enabler. My (laughs) pleasure. My pleasure. Look forward to it. And we are now just one week out from this year's historic Tournament of Champions. You can go to Jeopardy.com now and see all of the quarterfinal matchups, with the exception of who will get that coveted last spot from our week two of Second Chance. So you can check out who is matched up against who in the quarterfinals. You're also going to see who is seated in the semifinals. And we have a special episode during the Tournament of Champions that Michael and I have shared all about on the Jeopardy! YouTube channel. So make sure you check that out as well. Also on Jeopardy.com, all the tournament format, how it's going to play out. Remember, this is a little different from in the past, so we have that possible seven-game finals because it's the first player to win three games that gets the title of our Tournament of Champions winner. So lots of great stuff to check out at Jeopardy.com as well as on the Jeopardy! YouTube channel. On the next Inside Jeopardy!, we will share my conversations with our final five champions as we reach the end of our road to the TOC You won't want to miss it, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Rate us, leave us a comment, share across social, and follow us at Jeopardy! on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube. And we will see you all next week.